0: Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus.
1: All right, what's going on, folks? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for a Wednesday afternoon. Great to have you all with us. Big show coming up with the latest on the Winnipeg Jets and a flurry of trade activity around the National Hockey League. Um, we've got Dan Robertson, play-by-play voice of the Winnipeg Jets, coming up in a few minutes. We'll also have our weekly chat with Murata Tesh of The Athletic. And then a little later on, bringing some positive vibes to the peg, four-time Scotty's defending champion, Carrie Anderson, Coming up on the program a little bit later on. Um, we're gonna get right into it. Before we do that, a huge thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Little Brown Jug, Culligan Water, Canadian Club, Vita Health, Fresh Market, Wallace and Wallace Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery. The Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports. And we'll get to a why not question of the day for the gang over at not AutoCorp,
2: but Waverly and McGilvery. Michael Remus, what is going on? You know, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm feeling a bit better about the Jets after yesterday's performance. I think they checked a couple of boxes from what we wanted to see from them. But also, I'm just like so fired up with this trade deadline. This is crazy. Hustler. There's like trades every second. I can't. I can't keep up. There's so many trades. Like you're, you're don't even know all the trades. Like you're like is it Gus Nyquist, get trading because every second there's a new trade. You can't keep up. It's this is so awesome. How rattled must James Duthy be right now?
1: Like what? What? Who's left to be traded right now? I actually have the TSN trade bait board up. Jacob Chikarin's number one. Yeah. He's um not. Tyler Bertuzzi, we haven't heard very much about him now that, I guess, the rings lost those two back-to-back games against Ottawa. He's now apparently on the board. JVR, I mean, Joel Edmondson, Cam Talbot, Spare. This is the top ten. Oh, and by the way, Carolina's first-round pick and St. Louis's first-round picks now in the top ten. It kind of seems like most of the players that we've been talking about potentially on the move have already moved.
2: These guys know what they're doing. They don't just blow smoke with these uh, with these trade bait lists. So um, we were kind of waiting for Colorado to do something. We're waiting for Car- Carolina to do the Puli RV move yesterday. I wonder if they have more moves, uh, you know, more significant move because that was just a free player. But yeah, Colorado getting Lars Eller before we went on, which we had talked about here for the Jets would be nice. But that was a really nice ad for them. We thought they were going to get a second line center, you know, hadn't really replaced Kadri, and that's a guy who had played a huge role for the Capitals in there. Stanley Cup win a couple years ago. So nice ad for uh, Colorado.
1: Yeah, just a quick update before we get to the Jets game last night and uh, more on the home team. Uh, Eller goes to the Avalanche. Washington retains 31% of Eller's cap hit and a 2025 second round pick going to the uh, the Capitals. Um, you mentioned Nyquist. I, that one completely escaped me. He's now a member of the Minnesota Wild. A fifth rounder this year goes to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And after we finished the show yesterday, a flurry of deals, Um, the Maple Leafs trading Rasmus Sandin to the Caps for Eric Gustafson and Boston's first round pick this year. And then turning around and acquiring Luke Shen from the Canucks for a third round pick this season. And, you know, I talked about this with Dustin Nielsen today on the lock shop, obviously, with him being in Edmonton. I love the ad of Matthias Eckholm for the new uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. Now it's Tyson Berry, Reed Schaefer, a first rounder this year, a fourth rounder in 2024 for Ekholm. Nashville's retaining four percent of the contract, I believe, 250 grand a year. We've seen a lot of Matthias Eckholm here in Winnipeg and these battles with the Predators over the years. This is an absolute horse, and that is seems seemingly exactly the sort of type of player that the Edmonton Oilers needed. Uh, so Ken Holland gets in the mix. And then, of course, after the game last night, it was a somewhat of a sullen uh, a somber Kings dressing room, despite the comeback win in the shootout against the Winnipeg Jets. As Jonas Korpisalo and Vladislav Gavrikov go to L.A. from the Blue Jackets, they get a first-rounder, a third-rounder. But what was really, I think, surprising to everyone involved was the fact that Jonathan Quick, Kings legend, Stanley Cup winner, Conn Smythe winner, is now on his way to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and uh, I don't think a lot of people saw Quick's tenure in the National Hockey League or with the Kings ending with the trade late last night.
2: Yeah, that was um, you know somebody who's followed the Kings for a while. I was pretty shocked uh, by that. Has a John Quick Conn Smythe Trophy winner, two time Cup champion. You he thought he's going to retire a King, you know, play with one franchise and. um to trade him to, ship him off to Columbus from L.A., I mean, that's kind of, they, I thought they did him pretty dirty. However, he is having, a, you know, not a great season. He is making $5 million. And to make trades, you need to free up salary. And for a guy who's not going to play for you, it really made sense for the Kings. But I think, you know, that, you know, we talk about uh, Kane and Taves having these no-trade clauses. Uh, John Quick didn't have, didn't have one and he got sent to Columbus and Frank Valley reporting the fact that he was not happy about it was an understatement
1: yeah they uh there's plenty of smoke around that and you know quick is uh I mean a guy that's done so much for that club that being said hasn't been getting the job done right now and I mean spent a lot of time yesterday talking about the fact that they needed someone to mix in a save every now and then and Looks like they're getting that guy in Corpus Allo, which is an interesting transition into last night's game, Reem. Listen, the Jets didn't get two points, which they needed. On a positive note, they didn't get zero points. Every point counts right now. Um, But, man, I mean, you know, being up 5-3 in that third period, that is a game that you had to have, especially with, speaking of goaltending, how uh, porous Phoenix Copley was in the L.A. net Um, but a missed opportunity. But I think big picture for this Winnipeg Jets team. Um, We did see a response last night. And I said yesterday on the show, who of the Jets big difference makers was going to step up and be the change last night. Didn't take very long for us to see Josh Morrissey. Once again, being the guy to stand up and in some ways put the team on his back, two goals in the first period, just a massive performance from Morrissey, a four point night last night, proving his worth, and um, a huge part of the Jets at least having something to show for this three-game homestand.
2: Yeah, they didn't win. They got a point. I think you're definitely disappointed by blowing two uh, 2 goal leads, you know, losing in the shootout. However, you know there are a number of things you wanted to see coming into the game tonight. And sorry, also giving up five goals was a negative. But there's a lot of things you want to see, and I think we saw them um, just on Josh Morrissey, Four-point game, uh, tying Bufflin. For the record for points in a game by a defenseman. And that was in April of 2016. He led the team in ice time for the fourth straight game, played just under uh, 26 minutes, 25 59. But there were things we wanted to see. We wanted to see uh, the crowd uh, get into it and give them something to cheer about. Well, when Josh Morrissey scores two in the first period, um, you know, people get on their feet and they're fired up. And he was the guy who put the team on his back. We also wanted to see someone from the bottom six. Up and we didn't have Pierre Luc Dubois in the game, and he didn't practice. It wasn't out for practice, but Kevin Stanlund uh, came in and he stepped Stanley. up, scoring a shorthanded goal. So there were, I think, there were a lot of things: scoring five goals, scoring even strength goals. The goal scoring was back. The goal suppression was not there yesterday, and giving up five is, you know, probably going to lose more often than not. When you give up five, they did score five, so they had a chance in the shootout, but. I think they improved on a lot of things, but with you know 20 games left in the season or 21, when you're kind of been not great here and there, <laughs> since the calendar turned, um, tough to be totally encouraged. But I, it was better; it was much better than what we saw against the Islanders and the Avalanche. Although that Islander game, pretty low bar, hustler.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, exactly. It couldn't have gotten worse. But uh, I mean, listen, every single game right now is so crucial. And We've talked about what's to come for the Winnipeg Jets back-to-back games against the Edmonton Oilers, San Jose and Minnesota at home, and then on the road out east where they have had very little success so far this year to Florida, to Tampa, to Carolina, and then home against the Boston Bruins. Bruins did do the Jets a bit of a favor last night, beating the Calgary Flames, although the Flames, like Winnipeg, were able to grind a point out of that matchup right now, and As we look at the standings, the Jets dead even with the Edmonton Oilers, which is fascinating going into this weekend. Uh, 72 points in 61 games for both of those squads. The Kraken won last night. They're at 72, but with a game in hand. And then there's the Calgary Flames, who sit five points back right now in that ninth spot. Um, And, I mean, Nashville not entirely out of it considering they've got 64 points and have three games in hand on both Calgary and Winnipeg. Um, Listen, you need to, I mean, you're up two goals in the third period. I mean, that's a game that you absolutely have to have. But I think big picture, considering the lack of success this Winnipeg team has had over the course of the last number of weeks, um, what was most important was somebody stepping up the way Josh Morrissey did last night, a number of players being more impactful, the team looking like it had a lot more energy. Um, and you just have to hope that they can build off that and find out more about practice today. I know Dan Robertson's going to join us in a few minutes. Uh, build on that into a massive, massive weekend going up against the Edmonton Oilers on Friday and
2: Saturday. Yeah, and a lot of the talk yesterday about uh, Nino Niederreiter coming in, playing his first game with the Winnipeg Jets, number 62, as you said, wanted to get a number to match his name for aesthetic purposes. But I think the reviews were pretty good. He's the kind of guy the team needed. Has led the team in hits with five. And I'm just like kind of salivating here. The idea of a him and Dubois there in the top six. And, and, you know, they need some bigger bodies. I was, you know, watching Kenny and Rennie and, uh, on the post game And Ken Weeb Saying the Jets Have too many Too many skinny guys Basically And you know You put in Nino <laughs> Going
1: back to the Nintendo Ice hockey You have to
2: How do you not How do you not They have a lot of A lot of skinny guys They needed some big Some big guys You can push people around And you definitely Saw him get into it uh, Yesterday So I thought You know First game for him um, I think he, Reviews have to be positive And you know Seeing Like what They got Lars Eller For a second rounder And there was some Sally I mean Getting him for a second rounder and you have them for next year. I think that was a great deal so far, and we're, we're, you know, see people in chat fired up that the Jets haven't made any deals yet, but the trade deadline's tomorrow, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna evaluate the trade deadline based on uh, rumors and until it's done. So we'll have to wait and see what happens.
1: Well, and, and I mean, something that's going to be interesting to talk and uh, with Morad a little bit later on is you know what last night's game does for Kevin Shevoldale's position heading into Friday. I mean. First and foremost, so many of the players have already been dealt. But, I mean, I really did wonder about the reaction of the Winnipeg Jets and what the message that they were sending to their general manager was. I mean, the last couple of weeks has not been a positive trend for the club. And I think for many people that thought there were going to be some massive, super aggressive moves, I think that cooled a little bit over the course of the last little bit. Now, certainly, they competed, they came out, they got something to show for last night's game. But, I mean, for those of us, myself included, the thought that maybe the way the team had played might have a massive shift as to what the general manager was thinking. Um, I'm not sure much change right now, Reem, but the bottom line is if this team is going to make a push to the playoffs and do anything in the postseason... Um, I think there might still be a little bit of work to be done for Kevin Cheval day out before Friday afternoon.
2: yeah, we'll have to wait and and see what happens here before friday what are they going I don't know if they're going to go as all in as we thought you know when they were in first place, but um we'll have to again we'll have to see, but it was encouraging but i'm not I'm not so sure um not so sure sorry, I'm just troubleshooting with uh with Dan. In the room yet, but uh, no, no
1: problem, no problem. Well, uh, and listen, Dan Robertson is going to jump on with us in just a couple seconds. Um, You know, Josh Morrissey, star of the game last night, two goals, two assists, and Kevin Stenland. um, You know, we've had some fun with Stenny. He had a great kind of emergence into the team. Ream um, had played well. He like so many players in the bottom six, snake bit, not getting a lot of chances or opportunities, uh, but he did it twice last night, including a shorty. Um, and uh, listen, that that was a nice sign of um, some life from that bottom six. Unfortunately, we've also talked about the team just needs three goals to win, and uh, they had
2: five and unfortunately didn't get two points in the win column. No, not. I do give a shout-out. Um, Dylan DeMello, Huss, in a 5-5 five, five game. He was plus five, yeah. which is pretty crazy. And one away from the franchise record, it's Richard Schmelich. Remember him with the with the thrashers smelling <laughs> with the thrashers that was in 2002 um which is so i hate how they do this thrasher records but that's fine they did look great in in the uh you know the heritage jerseys we've seen all week and we do have to give a shout out a nice feature on ray Newfeld on the broadcast he was there dropping the puck uh for black history and he's part of black history month and um i like seeing you know like seeing that as part of uh you know game featuring and you know nice for him to uh Nice honor for him to drop the puck as well.
1: You got it. Hey, listen, we will hear from uh, Rick Bonus and Josh Morrissey, but uh, Dan Robertson's here, ready to go, so we'll we'll do that maybe after Dan joins us before Marat. Do have to give a big thanks to uh, one of our best supporters, Dallas Pauls. Thanks so much for the super chat, Dallas. and Remus, you guys are awesome. Have a beer on me after the show today. Will do, Dallas. Thank you very much for uh, for that. All right. So Dan Robertson's coming up. Murata Tesh a little later on. And curling fans, the queen of Canadian curling, reigning four times in a row. Carrie Anderson coming up a little later on on the program as well. Uh, before we get to Dan, um, folks, if you're in need of a battery for your car, your truck, or even that summer toy you're working on, Manitoba batteries, the most convenient and well-priced option in the city and you'll be shopping local. Heck, you can put the order in for a battery around now and having it sitting on your doorstep in two to four hours for less money than you'd spend anywhere else in Winnipeg on the same battery. Manitoba Battery is basically the Amazon of batteries here in Winnipeg. No fighting for a parking spot at Costco. No waiting in line at Canadian Tire. No spending more money on a battery at the big box stores. Let Manitoba Battery bring it to you while you spend time on more important things. Give them a phone call. You can always pop in and check them out on Logan Avenue. Or order online at manitobabattery.com and let Manitoba Battery simplify your life. Cannot wait for this snow to melt, get to some playoff hockey, and, of course, get outside and make the most of uh, our summer. Consolidated Supply is already ready for golf season. Folks, if you are uh, have landscaping issues with irrigation or looking for artificial turf, they're the leaders in that. And, of course, the club car dealer for Manitoba as well, if you're thinking about maybe getting a uh, little unit to rip around over the course of the summer on the cottage or on your lot. Um, But they do so much more as well. Incredible selection of spas and hot tubs, as well as amazing outdoor kitchens as well. Start thinking about that summer project and let Joe, Spicy and the gang help you do that. Pop down and see them, 1395 Niagara Road East, or you can check them out online at cte.ca. Don't forget the uh, Unsung Hero program. With our friends at Wallace and Wallace and Jets All-Star defenseman Josh Morris, he continues. Let us know about that person in the community, in your life, that is making an impact. Whether it be through volunteering, long hours helping out charities, or maybe just being that go-to person on the block that helps those in need. Let us know about that person. Unsung Hero at WinnipegSportsTalk dot is where you want to send the uh, the nominations into. Our Unsung Hero will get an autographed jersey from Jets All-Star defenseman Josh Morrissey and Wallace and & Wallace make a $500 donation to the Dream Factory in the name of the Winnipeg Sports Talk listener that nominated our unsung hero and Josh and Margot Morrissey will match that as well. Unsung hero at winnipegsportstalk.com and just before we get to Dan Huge thanks to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. If you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products as well, Vita Health is the spot. And you can get ready for St. Patrick's Day with all of your favorites. If you're looking to celebrate the day with some non-alcoholic craft beer, mocktails, and some great snacks too. And with spring just around the corner, get ready for it with Ultimate Male Energy. Formulated specifically for men over 35, Ultimate Male Energy is designed to help improve testosterone production, reduce excess body fat, build muscle tissue, maintain prostate health, and more. It's on sale today at Vita Health. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. Well, we did see... More male energy from the Winnipeg Jets last night, and that was exactly what this team needed, although the result wasn't quite what they or their fans had hoped. Let's get the latest on the club with the voice of the Jets on TSN, our pal Dan Robertson. Dan, what's up, man? Great to have you back on the show.
0: Oh, It's good to be back. How have you been?
1: Uh, Well, we've been well, kind of, you know. Like everyone else, going along with the ups and downs of this hockey club, it's been a wild season. But uh, obviously, the last stretch has not been that has not been smooth sailing. You, you've been behind the uh, the uh, microphone for all of these games. I, I'm very interested in your perspective on where the Jets are right now, because there has been an element of déjà vu for some people that have seen some second half slumps in the past. You haven't been around for those. I mean, what what's your perspective on what where this team is right now as we get closer to uh, the friday trade deadline
0: i look back and look at the first 30 games or so and it it seemed to me that the team got a lot of breaks now they earned them but it it almost seemed like when they were maybe trailing by a goal or even two two, they found a way more often than not to come back or if they had a two-game losing streak remember now that i say that they didn't have many two-game losing streaks if you want to call them that they were able to nip it in the bud almost right away so uh I think every season comes with its challenges. and then Rick Bonus said yesterday we're going to we'll learn a lot about this team in the next couple of weeks, but it's it was interesting last night. Uh, they finally scored, and you could feel the dam break a little bit, so it was nice to see them to, to get moving offensively, but just overall, you get the feeling that there's not as much confidence uh, with the team as there was in the first 30 games. I mean a, a bit of a losing skid will do that, so I'm really fascinated to see you know, where they go from here. Connor Hellebuyck's allowed, I guess, 10 goals in his last two games. You can't put that all on him. Uh, but at some point, that number will correct itself a little bit. Uh, and it's the other thing, too, is it, you really feel the intensity changing across the league, obviously now with the trade deadline coming up, the games uh, that were a little easier to play in earlier in the season, it, it's not the case anymore.
1: No, uh, that certainly is uh, is an astute point. And I think we're sort of seeing the Jets maybe being in the past couple of weeks, caught off guard by how much other teams had sort of ramped up that level of urgency, intensity, um, and we saw it. I mean, for me last night, Dan, we talked a lot on the show. We heard what Rick Bonus had to say going into Friday. We know what happened there. It was a test of the character and pride of the club Sunday afternoon. That did not go well. To me, it was about who was going to step up and be a difference maker last night, and uh, no surprise that Josh Morrissey, once again, was that guy for the Winnipeg Jets. What did you think about his impact last night and the statement that he made when his team needed someone to raise their hand and say they are that guy?
0: Well, I know the result was different, but it reminded me of the game just before the break when they beat the Blues. Big time. Uh, yeah, he stepped up, and we all remember the the celebration that he had when he scored one of the goals. Uh, so it was, it was similar last night, and I think that's what I was kind of waiting for all along during this month to see which of the the big guys so to speak were going to step up and kind of grab a game by the throat so it was josh last night i mean he was brilliant again it wasn't enough but it, what you say just to go back to that for a minute it it, it stands out to me too i mean uh, as soon as they lost to the islanders in new york last week rick said friday's game is the biggest of the year we'll see how they respond so that comes and goes they didn't respond well then it was okay well We'll see what they're made of. Uh, to paraphrase, on Sunday and that game didn't go well either. So um, it was nice to see them at least get a point last night. But you know, at some point, and bonus has said this too: we're tired of we're tired of meetings. We're tired of talking. We want to see it on the ice. So where do they go from here in these next two games against the, you know a team with a, an injection of life uh, from the trade market uh, with the Oilers? It's going to be a fascinating pair of games in the back-to-back Friday and Saturday.
1: Well, and we'll see what these teams look like by the time we get to Friday because, my God, there's been a lot of activity around the national hockey, we'll get to that in a minute. But as far as last night, I mean, we could talk about Morrissey's performance and certainly Kevin Stenland. I mean, my God, the bottom six needed to do something, and uh, I thought he really acquitted himself well with a couple of big goals. But we did see the debut of Nino Niederreiter, who came in the midst of this skid right now, led the team in hits, seem, seemingly fitting quite well. Unfortunately, Dubois wasn't there, so they could have really had those full top two lines. But um, what did you think about Niederreiter in his Jet debut last night?
0: I thought he came as advertised. and I, I'm always a little leery of players when they make the debut with a team after what had to be a, a crazy little more than, a, I guess, a couple of days for Niederreiter. And he talked about how he found out uh, that he was being traded and, it it can't be it can't be easy for anybody to sort of make that move and you're going on adrenaline and then you find yourself uh, in your first game in a New Jersey after meeting new players. But I liked how uh, he played physically. That hit on Jersey, uh, they gave him a couple of minutes for the the head contact. But the Jets do need more of that. Not specifically big hits uh, in open ice or along the boards, but somebody who brings his size and gets to the net. So. Uh, I, I like to give guys like that a little bit of grace, right? Allow them to settle in and and see where they go from there. But I really like the trade. It's a, it's a quality player for a second round pick, and I think had Perfetti not been hurt, they needed to make that move anyway or, or something similar. still. and you, you're right. I didn't think about that without uh, Dubois in there. The top six not really submitted. Uh, it's it's a little more difficult to to get a good read. I said it during the broadcast. If you want to uh, make make some fans of yourself when your first game of a new team take a run at somebody like he did with Jersey, uh, you know, the fans love that. So I, I think he's going to fit nicely.
1: Well, and to be honest, that's exactly what this team needed. I mean, uh, you know, the one thing that seemingly was lacking a little bit, you mentioned confidence, but also that energy and emotion. And I think back to Rick Bonus early on in the season, Dan, you know, at a far less crucial time than we're at right now, mentioning that, you know, the bench was quiet at times, and he wanted to get then bring that passion back to, um you know, to his club. um And sometimes it's hard to do that when things aren't going well. Guys are looking around and sort of waiting, waiting for something to happen and often, unfortunately, expecting the worst. Um, What did you think about Bones' handling of the team and what he had to say? Because, man, you know, as much as we wanted to see that reaction last night, we did see it from some players, it has been very interesting seeing how Rick has handled the media over the course of this last week or so because it's been quite a departure from the guy that was pulling no punches for the better part of the first 45, 50 games of the season.
3: Yeah, it is, it's all fascinating, right? So even when they were successful uh, or going through the, the best parts of the season and, and something would go wrong, he would – as you're alluding to, he would mention it sort of in the media uh, in, a, in an attempt to help nip it in the bud. And, and I, I like that. And so the thing with Rick, he's been around a long time and somebody said that to him the other day uh, after practice and he joked, he said, you guys always bring that up that I've been around for a long time, kind of making a crack at his age, I guess, in his own way. But I, I think you have to give him the benefit of the doubt too that he he knows when to change the message or, or let somebody else give the message. I thought it was quite fascinating the other day how, uh, he ran practice on, I guess it would have been Monday. And, um, he said, sometimes it's, it's the time to let your assistants run practice today was a practice for me to run. And he was very vocal. And, and, and I guess, obviously he has a feel of when too much yelling and too much barking, uh, becomes too much. Uh, again, he can lean on his experience there and, uh, but that's, you know, you get to the point in the season too when players can tend to tune that out. I, I, I think it's too early for that. I, I like what he's doing. But uh, again, I give him a nod to his experience to let him know uh, the best way to handle these things. There, there's no, I don't know, there's never an easy way out, right? Even a guy with that much experience to try to push the right buttons. He went back um, a, a few games ago and I guess it was Saturday. They uh, canceled practice and he said, to us, well, maybe I made the right move. I'm not sure. I guess we'll know against the Islanders. He was kind of banking on rest rather than another practice. So, you know, no matter how many times you've been around the league uh, or how many years you've coached, it's it's an imperfect art. You're always kind of searching for the right answers. And uh, he's hoping that he's he's found the right ones. Another pretty good practice today where he was demonstrative again and, and uh, making sure guys uh, paid attention to the small details or the, the large details too. So, all part of uh, trying to guide the team that's in a bit of a slump right now.
1: Well, you know what, And you mentioned practice today. I mean, I was just about to ask you about that. I mean, uh, you know, and we don't need to get into the drills and whatnot, but um, the atmosphere, the vibe around the team. I mean, I don't think that they're pleased with just getting the one point from last night, but it's a lot better than losing regulation and there were signs of life. Um, what did you see today at practice? And uh, how would you compare it to some of the recent practices that you've uh, been in attendance for?
3: Well, probably not quite as intense as the practice uh, on Monday, but still he was making it clear what he wanted and what he needed and guys getting to the net and paying attention to those details, right? Uh, one thing that's interested me all year long about his practices, and I don't know that I've really seen this before, one of the details that he looks at when if there's a line rush, he, he won't let guys go offside. If they do, he blows the whistle and makes them do it again. I guess the the thought being... You wouldn't do it in a game, right? So, so that's it. Right? It's more about more about details. But again, he was he was barking, and I don't mean that in a in a negative way. So he's he's got the foot down right now, and you can see too uh, when you're winning, right? Guys are a little more lighthearted, even if it is a hard practice. There's a little more laughter, a little more joking, and that sort of thing. Don't see a heck of a lot of that right now, and that's understandable because they're in a tough spot, a uh, tough spot as uh, they get ready for Edmonton for two in a row on Friday. Yeah, and, and,
4: yeah,
1: you know, Dan, I was just, Reem and I were, you know, getting into the show, and we're obviously, like so many people, we're looking at the standings every day, and, you know, the Edmonton Oilers lost earlier this week to the Boston Bruins. but Before that, you know, they had some dreadful performances. I, I mean, I do a show with uh, Dustin Nielsen on TSN at Edmonton and often have some fun talking to him about how the text line's looking in the morning when the sky is falling they went at a, a stretch of 18 games with only one loss in regulation and, and those the regulation losses is what's really hampering the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, they haven't been getting to overtime like they did last night and Dallas has an extra 12 points on them in that category. But the Edmonton Oilers and Winnipeg Jets are in a dead heat at 72 points in 61 games and it just speaks to how incredibly wide open the West is, but also how a slump or not getting points to show for a few games like the Winnipeg Jets have had can really change your position in a very quick fashion.
3: It is amazing. What were they four points at of first last night? So you kind of look at it that way. You, some people feel the sky is falling and maybe they're justified, but if you look at it in the other sense, it's a good team that you would expect would get things turned around. I, I'd be interested to know what the, obviously they're different markets, right? There's more, I think going into the season, Um, there's more high hopes on the Oilers from their fan base than there would have been from Jets fans, I would imagine. And and so are the Oilers fans happy with where they are right now uh, as compared to the Jets fans? But it's one of those things you look at it, I think, coming into the season, too. You you knew there's a lot of quality in the Central. I'm a little bit surprised that St. Louis kind of went the way they did. But uh, I think we all felt once Colorado got a little bit healthy, then we knew what would happen. They just picked up Lars Eller today, too, who I thought might have been a decent fit here in Winnipeg. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 tight. So, And that's what I mentioned earlier. All of a sudden, it's like a switch was flipped, and it's kind of playoff intensity, or it's close to it. And I, I know last night was a little bit messy and, and higher scoring than I think we all thought it would be. but uh, And maybe it's just in my own head, but I felt kind of the feeling in the building had that kind of – playoff pulse to it they got the two goals uh, to start the game and then the fans were a certain way and then when the, the kings tied it late on the Villardi goal you could have heard a pin drop so all part of the, the fun of uh getting to hockey now on the first of march
1: yeah it has been quite a roller coaster and i mean just looking at the standings right now as far as the west goes i mean it really is crazy the jets technically are in the eighth spot right now they're four points out of first in the conference. There are four <laughs> points, Dan, separating the eight teams and then another five points with the Calgary Flames knocking on the door. And you know we're going to see a pushback from the Flames. I mean, I think Linus Ullmark made 54 saves last night in that game. Um, sometimes objects in the, uh, in the mirror are closer than they appear, but everyone's so bunched up in, from one to eight right now. I can't remember a scenario like this at this point in the season in a long time.
3: No, I can't either, but that's what makes it fun. And that, that's what makes guys grip the stick a little more tight, too. I think when things aren't going well, because, you know, if you're having a bit of a slump in December, that's one thing. But, uh, and, and I wonder this, too. Sometimes I say it on the broadcast and I think, should I say what the standings are? Is it, you know, scoreboard watching—is it too early for that? Well, I don't think it is. No. Uh, yeah. So, and but that's again—that's that's what makes it fun, right? So you look at, at different teams. I mean, Dallas—they've uh, been in a bit of a slide too, right? So uh, they're in a better spot, obviously, uh, going into play at the start of last week, for example, than the Jets were, but. They had a chance to not pull away, but uh, get a little bit of breathing room. Nobody's perfect in the Central. And, and I think, as I said earlier, Colorado's Colorado. When they get healthy, look out. But uh, it's just about playing well at the right time and then seeing where it goes from there. But it's fun. Again, I keep saying it, it's a fun time of the year. But you look at the calendar and you think, okay, Jets have a, that southeastern uh, U.S. trip coming up where it's back-to-back. The Panthers and Tampa, that's tough. Carolina's tough i guess you know if you don't play well everybody's tough columbus beat them twice this year so it's cliche but you have to bring your a game on a nightly
1: basis yeah no freebies in the national hockey league that is for sure um you know before you we get to friday night um there's the trade deadline i'm not sure who's still available considering how many trades we've seen over the last little bit but um what do you uh, what are you expecting much from the winnipeg jets do you think there'll be some more moves um, will it be the significant? Will they be more on the periphery, maybe adding to the bottom six? How active do you think this club might be?
3: Well, I've thought all along that they need somebody who can win some faceoffs, and I referenced that when I talked about Eller earlier. And mm-hmm. the main reason I believe that is just that Rick Bonus has talked about not getting another centerman. But when they haven't been good at the dot, which is for the most part they haven't been this year, I, I you know, I've, I've thought all along he and and off speak, and that's probably something that Rick wants now who is available out there. I I wouldn't think it would be a big name. As you said, a lot of them are off the board. Now, I mean, you're you're looking at, okay, uh, Dmitry Kulikov's been held held back. And what a strange trend this is where guys aren't playing now as they might be traded. Um, John Klingberg, things like that. So it started, James Van Riemsdyk. I mean, at some point... Do you trade for guys just for the sake of trading? Well, no, uh, but I, I do think that uh, they could use a little bit more depth on D. I know, obviously, they have a, a guy like Capobianco. uh Stanley got back in the lineup last night. Um, I think if they could get an upgrade there somewhere, that would make sense. But, you know, as the, the list gets smaller of available players, in theory, the price goes up. So I would, you know, my guess is something maybe a depth player or two, uh, but my my other thinking is if Out doesn't get anything else done than the Niederreiter trade, I think he's going to hear about it from the fan base.
1: Oh, well, listen, Dan, I mean, we're here every day. I mean, just check out the chat. I mean, we're <laughs> winning the cop one week, blowing it up the next day. I mean, um, but listen, that's part of the fun about being in a passionate market like we've got here in Winnipeg. And you know, through the good and the bad, the one thing you know is that people are dialed into this hockey club and and really do care. And I'm sure you're seeing that and feeling that on a daily basis now that you're a little more entrenched as the day-to-day voice of the Winnipeg Jets on TSN.
3: I am, and it's it's cool. You know, you'll some people might come up to you in the grocery store, and uh, the other day it was, uh, I, you know, I kind of turned around. Somebody was right there, didn't say hi or anything. It was just, you think Morrissey should win the Norris and I you know I kind of jumped back and then we had a good little chat but that's I, I probably said it to you before the last time I was on that's one of the reasons I was so interested to come here is because it's such a, a passionate market and I suppose you could say that in, in every city in Canada that it is that way but um, and, and that's and I asked Chevalier off this uh, I guess it would have been the halfway point of the regular season he came on with us we were in Buffalo I believe and and I think my question was along the lines of with such a such a great fan base I mean, do you ever feel kind of that you owe them to to make a couple of moves or you know go for it I guess and I mean in theory if you run a hockey team that way it's not a it's not a smart thing uh, and he kind of you know sidestepped the question but my point was that uh, in a roundabout way uh, as you said the West is open this is a good team if not now uh, to make some risky, trades that might pan out for you when do you do it right and and he gave me a good answer too it's easier said than done what would other teams want for certain players um you, you wonder what gms go through in, on days like this as you get closer to the trade deadline and just how much they sleep uh, but you know if there is somebody of high value out there for the jets who would really fit uh, right now i'm not sure who that would be
1: no and and i mean I think the way that the team has played over the last little bit probably, you know, maybe pumps the brakes a little bit on, uh, you know, completely selling the future to make something happen right now. But in a lot of ways, Dan, I mean, the other thing that is in the background of everything that we're talking about in the present is a real crossroads for the organization Mm -hmm. with the number of players that have been the part of the core Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler. Certainly, the Pierre Luc Dubois situation. I mean, it's pretty hard to just speak about Friday and right now is turn in you know in the big picture of this year, because so many of those decisions will affect what happens. What happens beyond this, and uh, regardless of what happens on Friday and the rest of this season, I think we're all in for a very interesting summer when it comes to the future of this team and especially core players that um, are a big part of the team's success in the past.
3: No, that's the thing, and it is fascinating. And and I look. Uh, I, what was it the other day? Yesterday, I think I heard that Ken Holland said he would be willing to trade a first round pick for a for a rental. I'm quite sure that I saw that. Now, uh, that's the Oilers are obviously in a, a different situation than the Jets. They they have the best player in the game in his prime, and Dry right there too. Every every organization is different. I'd rather have a GM who doesn't think along those lines now I maybe I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth I said (laughs) uh, just a minute ago that at at what point if you don't make some significant moves uh, for the now then then when do you do it but I mean Sheveldayoff knows better than any of us the situation that you're talking about with some players either getting older or getting near the end of their contract or perhaps not wanting to be here long term so um, I know uh, there's reason to believe in this team, right? And I think they're better than they've shown the last week and a half. Now, are they as good as they showed us the first 30 games? Uh, I think so, pretty close. Uh, they have an ace in the hole and a terrific goaltender in Hellebach, and that will cover up a lot of blemishes uh, when he gets back on his game. And I think that's going to happen. But uh, as I said, if it's if the Niederreiter move is the only move, then uh, I can see a lot of hair pulling <laughs> among Jets fans.
1: Yeah, I think the hair is going to be pulled no matter what. That being said, <laughs> nothing that a few wins won't take care of. Um, what a, We just kind of mentioned that the Winnipeg Jets and Edmonton Oilers in a dead heat right now with 72 points in 61 games. What a scenario we've got coming up this weekend with two games 22 hours apart in the two cities between teams that are tied right now in the NHL standings.
3: And so there's a lot of subplots, right? Do you go... Do you go back-to-back with Hellebuck? Um, Here's a guy who the second of a back-to-back when he was at Madison Square Garden played one of the best games of his career. Uh, You know, Riddick's been pretty good this year. Um, Do you – what do you do? Do you you let him go Saturday? Do you see what happens Friday? That's just sort of one subplot. I mean, they play again against – their next game is against a weak Sharks team on – Monday, I guess it is after that, and then Minnesota two nights after that. So that's just that's just one angle. With me, you look at the Oilers, and uh, to me, you're not sure what you're going to get uh, from them. You know, one from one night to the next. So, but you can only kind of take care of yourself and put your best foot forward. Will Dubois be able to play? He didn't practice today. So, and you you know, just to go to him for a minute, you wondered. I think he had three points in his previous nine games, and I thought something was up because he, he'd been so dominant all year long. And then for that stretch, he kind of, he wasn't the same player. So uh, you wonder just how healthy he is and when he comes back, how healthy he'll be. But, uh, you know, if I were to try to predict what's going to happen this weekend against the Oilers, I wouldn't do a very good job. I, I really have no clue, right? You try to limit the, the McDavid's and the dry sidles. That's easier said than done. How does, how does their power play look now that Barry's gone uh, obviously, there's still a lot of weapons there. It was an interesting acquisition with Ekholm, so uh, I don't know what we're going to see, but I'm, I'm really anxious to see Friday and Saturday.
1: Yeah, it, it is going to be a lot of fun. Like I said with Dusty today on the lock shop, uh, you know, there were a lot of there was some consternation. like what does this do to the power play? If 97s on your power play, I think you're going to be uh, I think you're going to be <laughs> fine. By the way, you're Remo right. just letting us know a big signing uh, extension of Dylan Larkin in Detroit. He will stay with the Red Wings, uh, the team that he's played with his entire career, eight years at $8.7 million. Dan Robertson is with us, voice of the Jets on TSN. Dan, before we go, I just want to just quickly step back from the minutia of last night's game and the trade deadline. You're about three quarters of the way through your first season here in Winnipeg. We've talked about the fan base, but I'm I just wanted to ask you, I mean, looking at this season so far, Uh, Is there a player or players that have stood out that have really surprised you that maybe you weren't as much on your radar before? I mean, get us us into the booth in the day-to-day right now and looking at this 60 games so far, um, you know, what has sort of stood out to you amongst guys that have maybe impressed you or maybe off the ice been particularly fun to deal with?
3: Well, I'll go with the second first. Adam Lowry couldn't be a nicer person. Uh, I chatted with him, I don't know, a month ago, and I just asked him one question, and he he kept talking. You know, most players will answer your question and, and maybe another question, and you move on, and that's fine. But he, he was really engaging, right? And it was just nice to talk to someone like that and Nate Schmidt's a cool guy too and always smiling we know that and uh you know Dylan uh Dylan DeMello wished me happy birthday the other day so that was kind of cool like it it's just uh it's nice when guys show a personal side to them uh and I suppose this won't surprise you when I say it but uh, I had no idea Josh Morrissey was this good now this is clearly his best season Uh, and I knew he was a brilliant skater and I the few times I would two times I would call Jets games a year before this. I, I very much appreciated that. I didn't know that he had that strong of a defensive game in him, but more importantly, um, that offense. Like, you know, last night when he took that pass from DeMello and I thought, okay, he's going to score because he had a chance to walk down to the top of the circle. He is such a hard and accurate shot. Uh, there's just so many things to like about his game. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, too. Um, I think we've seen him really blossom this year, like to the point where he, if not totally take over games, certainly long stretches of time where it's really fun to watch him where he almost welcomes contact. He he almost draws a couple of guys to him and likes that. He can hang on to it and, and wait till somebody gets open and make a, make a pass. And, and I love seeing somebody evolve that way where you can see their confidence grow sort of right before your eyes where no longer are they tentative with the puck, but now they're kind of, you know, like playing, like I'm the man. And I love that. So that's why it's too bad. He's been, he's been shaken up lately and you hope he can come back and find his form, but it's, it's cool to see different players find their, their highest level at at different ages, right? It's uh, nobody's a cookie cutter. Nobody, not many people come right into the league, even as high picks like Morrissey and Dubois and dominate right away. It takes a while, but it's, it, it, and really there's been no other than Dubois play during this time where he's probably been hurt. Uh, there's not been a drop off for me between those guys. They've been consistent and, and remarkable all year long.
1: Well, Dan, uh, you have been consistent and remarkable all year long, your first year with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, so many great comments in the chat from Jet fans and how much they've been enjoying the broadcasts. and not, as they say, we, we talk about the playoffs coming up, the playoffs really are now. And, this stretch run of, uh, of games is going to be uh, a heck of a lot of fun to see what happens starting on Friday night. Thank you so much for doing this, and uh, hopefully we can do this again soon.
3: Anytime. Thanks a lot.
1: <laughs> Dan Robertson, voice of the Jets on TSN, joining us today on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We will talk much more Jets. Murata Tesh coming up a little later on. But we will hear from Rick Bonus and Josh Morrissey post game and talk a little bit about that coming up in just a couple seconds. Um, Do have to thank our friends over at Royal Sports. We mentioned Nito Niederreiter's debut yesterday. Uh, He did get had a very aesthetically pleasing looking jersey with the big name and the big numbers, number sixty two. If you're looking for a new jersey of uh, Niederreiter or any of the Winnipeg Jets, or just the best selection. In Winnipeg Jets merchandise, pop down and check out our pals down at Royal Sports. Huge selection of bomber gear as well. And NFL, Major League Baseball with Blue Jays season right around the corner. International soccer, NHL outside of the Winnipeg Jets as well. They really do have it all. It must be seen to be believed. While you're there, check out the great deals in the hockey department, including some Warriors sticks. 50% off. And of course, you might not know, but if you're getting ready to hit the hills come spring break time, the best selection of snowboard gear and equipment as well. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway, and follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Speaking of gear, um, if you got to gear it up a little bit, the best selection of menswear, including custom suits, custom shirts, pants, and more, is down at F Apparel at 190 Smith Street downtown. Custom suits beginning at just $400, not to mention custom shirts tucked and untucked, as well as golf pants, chinos, and much, much more. Fellas, if you're in a wedding party this year, don't waste your money renting tuxes and sending them back the next day. Talk to the guys at F Apparel about getting the fellas suited up in custom suits from F Apparel that you can wear long beyond the big day. And everyone in the wedding party will get a 15% off discount when the wedding party purchases their suits over at F Apparel. And by the way, if you got a 2023 grad in the house as well, get the young man set up with a custom suit. It will come with. A free custom shirt and tie from the gang at F Apparel. 190 Smith Street downtown. Find out more or make an appointment online at F, that's E-P-H, um, No Jets game tonight, but six games in the National Hockey League, including a big one between the Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers. No better place to get together with the gang and watch the big game on the big screen than your local Boston pizza chowing down on famous Boston's wings, gourmet pizzas, and maybe an ice-cold schooner or two as well. And, heck, if you're staying at home, you can always order online and get the great taste of Boston pizza delivered hot and fast to your home by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get Remus back in here. Uh, Man, that was a fun conversation with Dan. He has big shoes to fill from our guy Dennis Bayak, but, I mean, as Jet fans, man, are we lucky to move from a legend like Dennis to Dan who's just been uh, killing it all year
2: long. Yeah, Dan has has a great uh, great call of the game, and um, seeing a lot of comments in chat saying that the Jets, uh, you know, having Dan has made what, losing Dennis more bearable, but he's also been one of the bright spots of the season, and I do enjoy tuning in to every game on TSN and seeing uh, Dan and Kevin's call, and very nice of Dan to uh, join us, and while working through some of the technical issues uh on the, in the back end. Again, I used to text Dan all the time when he was with Montreal and he was always get back to me right away and would, would come on with Rick because uh, him and Rick uh they grew up together out east. So um, Maritime yeah. Boys. Yeah, exactly. So it was great. Um great again. We I was you know, I was very nervous in the summer and we've had this conversation before, we we're nervous in the summer about, about the Jets broadcast, but look, we got so used to Dennis, Sarah and uh, and Kevin or Shane or whoever. Well, not
5: to
1: mention and we
2: didn't even know who was going to do the games yeah. until officially like a day before the season started. And that, that yeah, and that was the number one off season question. Uh, like no one really cared. I mean yeah the you know the roster sure, but literally every day okay who's the play by play guy and um they you know were lucky to have uh, have Dan and you know he's thanks to to him for joining us uh, today.
1: Well, yeah, really appreciated Dan jumping on with us. Marana Tesh is going to come up. He's uh, heading back from practice. We'll hear what uh, happened today at the rink and uh, maybe hear from Rick Bonus a little later on as far as what happened today. Uh, but, Remo, let's get to the clips coming out of last night's game. As I said, we got to Dan a little bit early. I did want to play on this. And let's start off with the Rick Bonus. So we'll go six through nine uh, and then hear from Josh Morrissey, who had such a monster game last night when his team needed it so badly. Um, Listen, Bones had challenged his club, said that the game was challenging them. It did not go well on the weekend. Certainly a better response last night, and you know, putting a few red lights on certainly helped, although the final result wasn't quite what they wanted. One point better than zero, that's for sure. Here's what Bones had to say about last night's game against the Kings.
5: Well, at least the energy was there. The compete was there. Couple of uh, blown assignments, a couple of fluky, you know, breaks on that, f- like the fourth goal that goes off, goes right onto the hottest player in the in the, in the, in the game. Uh, yeah, but we competed hard tonight. We did.
6: The blown assignments thing is—is is that a confidence thing that we're at? No, at this that's state?
5: just a mistake. I mean, don't overanalyze it. They, they made a mistake.
1: All right, Bones. Last night, um, uh, you know, you have to appreciate his frankness, and um, you know, there. Listen, there are always going to be mistakes. Sometimes they get magnified a little bit more, especially as he mentioned, Reem, when the puck goes to Andrzej Kopitar, who we didn't spend a lot of time talking about. But um, talk about putting a team on your back last night. I mean, they weren't getting any goaltending, and he just simply went out and scored four
2: times for the Los Angeles Kings at the Canada Life Centre. Andrzej Kopitar, man, he's been so hot, Hustler, uh, over the last 15 games here. 22 points. Which is absolutely absurd. And, you know, with his play last night, there's going to be a lot of debates about him. Uh, you know, Hall of Fame, he's got the two Stanley Cups. He's captain, um, you know, internationally. He's really carried Slovenia on his back. Huge fan of Anzali Kopitar And Josh Morris, he said yesterday after the game, I mean, he looks the same that he did, you know, 10 years ago with the Kings when they were winning Stanley Cups. And what are, again, he's on a tear. I didn't think he had uh, this level still in him, but he's just, He's been so consistent uh, throughout his career.
1: Yeah. uh, And Kopitar, he's still doing it at 35 years old, has the one more year on his deal at $10 million. Um, And while players like Jonathan Quick, well, are no longer even with the Kings, but you know, have sort of aged and their plays fallen off. Can't say that about the captain of the LA Kings, Andre Kopitar, who was such a force last night. Um, Let's get back to uh, Bones, though, um, and hear what he thought about the newest Winnipeg Jet, Nino Niederreiter, who made his Jet debut last night at Canada Life Centre.
5: He's a solid top six guy. Um, You we got to get the power play going, clearly, and he was good. The role we asked him to play in the power play, he did a good job in the bumper position. Yeah, that's what he is. He's a big guy that goes to the net and finishes checks. Uh, I thought he was, you know, for his first game with us, I thought he was very good.
1: All right, there's Bones on, uh, on Nino Niederreiter's debut with the Winnipeg Jets. Now, uh, listen, it was much better than what happened on the weekend, but they didn't get the two points. Uh, Bones just touched on the mood around the club after playing much better but not getting the desired result
5: when things aren't going your way this is what usually happens you know we gotta just keep that was a good sign tonight um they don't always automatically go your way uh, so we just gotta keep we gotta build on it and you know we're gonna have a tough weekend with edmonton back to back um but if we play as hard as we did tonight then we'll be okay
1: all right uh, rick bonus on uh, on the mood after uh, playing much better but not getting the two points. Um, one more from Bones, and he sort of alluded to this uh, when speaking about Nito Niederreiter. Ryder. Um, the power play has been struggling lately. Here's what Bones had to say about the Jets PP
5: Not good enough. No, no, no it's still not good enough. Uh, I, the puck doesn't move quick enough. And when it does, we're okay. When we hang on to it and look around, no, it's, it hasn't been good enough.
1: You know, Reem, um, Rick's exactly right. I mean, the power play has been, you know, a bit of a thorn for the Winnipeg Jets over the last little while. And, you know, at times, not as much last night, but over the course of those last two to three weeks when the team has looked sort of stale and not playing with a lot of confidence, the power play really does look like completely different than what it did earlier on this year when not only were they moving the puck around, but they were also moving the personnel around and creating space and time on that man advantage, and um, that's still a, a a major thing for the Winnipeg Jets to get going. Because you know, a team like the Edmonton Oilers is going to have their power play popping even without Tyson Berry on the point.
2: Yeah, you know, I saw some uh, takes on oh, the Oilers' power play is going to suffer now they don't have Tyson Come Berry. On. I mean, they got McDavid and Drysdale, Nugent Hopkins having a great year. I think, I think they'll be okay. I do like the Eckholm acquisition, but you look at some of the Jets' games here. I mean, it would have been nice to get a power play goal last night. Um, you know, they had a p- third period power play against the Islanders. Um, in Brooklyn, not sorry, they don't play in Brooklyn anymore. On Long Island, uh, the Blue Jackets game, he went one for seven. New Jersey game, over oh three. Um, there's, I mean, some of these games here has, what oh, sorry, I know they won against the Blues, but oh for six, against the Blues in that game before the break. So I mean, there's been games where they needed the power play to score a goal. And it just hasn't been there. Now, they did score one against the Rangers in the game that they won. But it just when, you know, you need a boost from the power play and you're in a tight game and you need that goal and you're they're giving you a chance with a man advantage. The Jets really haven't taken advantage. And that's a power play that was so good to start the year. And, again, it's a tale tail two halves has, uh, has for the Jets as we move on.
1: Yeah, Kevin Kowalik with a great, cha- uh, great uh, comment, which is basically echoing what I was saying. It just pass a lot, but don't move much. Defending teams don't need to move at all, and the power play at time has seemed pretty predictable right now. Hopefully, Nino Niederreiter can uh, can help that. Well, the big question on this program yesterday was who was going to step up. What sort of emotional response would we get from the Winnipeg Jets? And there was one guy that led the way last night, and that was Josh Morrissey. What a season he's having! Two goals, two assists last night. Um, Josh spoke after the game, and uh, first up, just uh, discussed what uh, what went down last night in that shootout loss to the Kings. I
4: thought we competed super hard, played well. Some tough breaks. puck goes off a ref, and um, you know I thought we played really well in that game. Obviously there's, you give up uh, five goals and you don't want to do that, but I don't, I don't have a huge problem with the, the way we competed and the way we played. There's some mistakes, clearly um, <clears throat> that we need to clean up, a couple tip goals and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, the compete was there, the effort was there. And I mean, it's a team we're fighting with an intense game. You know, you get the lead, you want to keep it, but um, we played our, we played really hard and considering the last number of games, we're gonna build off that.
1: Well the team certainly did play hard and uh it was Josh Morrissey leading the way as he has all season long. Um uh, Morrissey also talked about uh his newest teammate, Nino
4: Niederreiter, in his debut last night. Uh, I thought he was great, uh physical, obviously. Um you know, I thought tough right. call on that one. Thanks. You know, guys a lot smaller than him and kinda of lean down. Um, you know, he he's a big physical guy, He uh makes a lot of little plays, competes hard, so um yeah, you know, he brings uh, all those intangibles that you want uh, this time of year. And, <clears throat> you know, we've seen it enough in the Central when he was in Minnesota and Nashville to know that's the type of player he is. So uh, he's just going to get more comfortable, and uh, I thought he was great. All right, there's uh, Josh Morrissey. Now, the last
1: time Morrissey um, sort of put the team on his back was um, at the end of January, heading into the player break and the All-Star game. Um, with the uh, the Morrissey game as it's known, and you know him did an incredible performance in the third period. Um, that was a time where Josh Morrissey certainly got the fans back into the game. Um, Morrissey talked a little bit about the atmosphere last night and the impact that the fans had.
4: Yeah, it's massive. Um, you know we uh, we want to make this arena a tough one for road teams to play in. Certainly, we don't want to give up five goals, but um, you know when when we're playing aggressive and um physical and uh, getting to the net and playing fast using our speed um you know we're we're that's our identity or at least identity that we're trying to have Uh, and we have when we're when we're playing our best so i think that's an exciting brand of hockey to to watch and um you know our fans i think are super knowledgeable here um which is uh you know on nights when you're not playing your best they uh you know they notice all the little things too so um, which is, which is why it's such a great hockey market and the fans, like I said, have that, have that knowledge of the game. So, um, when they see we're competing, when we're working hard, when we're battling and playing fast, um, you know, it's nice to see them get up and, and behind us. We know they're, you know, they're there for us. Yeah, there's Josh Morrissey on the crowd last night. And that was
1: something that, you know, you really felt in the building ream, um, you know, the fans that were there last night were behind the Winnipeg Jets. They certainly expected to see more than um, the team put forth on Friday and Sunday. Um, but they got that last night. And, uh, you know, despite the ups and downs of the game, you um, you know, I think we're, uh, we're we're firmly behind the Winnipeg Jets and doing what they could to try to, you know, add whatever the atmosphere can do to uh, the environment around a, a big game between two teams battling for a playoff spot.
2: Yeah, people want to go and have you know cheer and have fun, and you know when Jets are scoring two goals, and I think there's a lot of excitement. A big standing o for Nino Niederreiter as well, Hus, and he's banging around, um, you know, with five hits as we mentioned, you know, putting a big one there. So. I um, look, I think gets people into the game. And that atmosphere, we remember what it was like early in the season when the Jets were winning a lot at home. And, of course, past years, uh, how great it's been in the past. So, um, you know, when you score early and get the two-goal lead, um, look, they get up and, you know, makes it makes it a lot more fun, I think, uh, for everyone involved. So, uh, shout-out to the fans who were at the game last night. Hustler. a big, nice Tuesday tilt.
1: Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was fun, as I said. I mean, we... Listen, it was an entertaining game. There was lots to uh, lots to digest at both ends. Um, obviously, uh, the one point though uh, better than zero. But this team needs uh, a couple on a regular basis right now to solidify this playoff spot. One more before we get to Marat. Um, Josh Morrissey did talk
4: about the upcoming trade deadline and how that's resonating within the room. Yeah, obviously, uh, um, those decisions are out of our hands, and uh, you know, I think I've been in the league long enough to know you can just just control what you can and do what you do every day but um of course uh it's nice to, to to have that faith from the organization if we don't do anything i have a ton of faith in our locker room here and um you know the guys that have gotten us to this point uh and the addition of nino so um you know we'll see what happens i guess in the next few days but either way uh you know we've got a lot of faith in our team and um you know just uh, want to build off uh, the effort level tonight
1: all right, there's uh, Josh Morrissey, who was the uh, Jet star of the show last night. Obviously, Andre Kopitar with four goals uh, at the top of that list as well from the uh, from the visitor side of things. All right, Marana Tesh is going to join us right away. Carrie Anderson a little later on in the program today. Uh, of course, Carrie coming off her fourth straight Scotty's win, heading to the World Championships in a few weeks. Um, and we've got some fun curling coverage coming up on Winnipeg Sports Talk as well. One of the big Grand Slam events we'll tell you about coming up in uh, the weeks to come on uh, WST. Of course, when we're talking curling and, of course, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as well. We do it for our friends at Princess Auto. Great supporters of both the uh, roaring game from coast to coast and the blue and gold. And, of course, Winnipeg Sports Talk as well. Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new, is at Princess Auto. Check them out at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panit Road, Portage Avenue West, or you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Thirsty folks? Well, everyone needs water, and when it comes to water products and services in Winnipeg, the family-owned Culligan team has been there for Manitobans for uh, pushing seven decades right now. They've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue. You can give them a call at 204-694-5180. And check them out online at drinkculligan.com. And while we've got a very busy weekend for the local hockey squad taking on the Oilers in Edmonton and then back in Winnipeg, it's also a busy, busy weekend downtown at the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival, which is presented by title sponsor and great sponsors of ours, Canadian Club. Friday night is sold out right now. Uh, but you can still get in for an amazing evening on Saturday night. And, of course, proceeds from the Winnipeg Whis- uh, Whiskey Festival go to support the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. Big thanks to Canadian Club for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, of course, the official spirit of the Blue Bombers as well. All right. We'll talk a little curling later on with Carrie Anderson. Right now, though, let's welcome in Marat Atesh from The Athletic. And um, Marat... We were expecting or hoping to see a response from the Winnipeg Jets last night, a little bit more emotion, certainly more impact. We got it and kind of have to start with the performance of Josh Morrissey, especially in that first period. Uh, What did you think about the way the team came out and the way he, again, was the guy that sort of stepped up for the Winnipeg Jets?
6: I think it finally showed us a Winnipeg Jets team that could come from the, right from puck drop and come and do the right things that, They'd been talking about for the previous days. I know that road trip had gotten long and things hadn't been successful. That game against Colorado was just awful. They said that they liked some things against the Islanders. That was supposed to be the pushback after Friday was supposed to be the pushback. But last night, you actually saw it. And you had guys crashing the crease, like Mark Shifley, hacking and whacking away on what became Josh Morrissey's first goal. But that whole play is Morrissey losing Victor Arvidsson at the line, attacking the offensive zone and crashing crashing the crease to make that goal happen. His rocket of a shot for his second goal after a really nice pass from Dylan DeMello. I mean, the guy came to play, and he has so many times this season when the Winnipeg Jets need an emotional lift he's at the forefront of it. So yeah, absolutely. And then he adds two assists later in the game as well. You needed a fifth point from him. If you were going to get a win last night, if you were the Winnipeg Jets.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, going into the game and obviously we've been talking about it with fans for the last couple of days heading into last night. Um, we wanted to see a result. We wanted to see a response from uh, the team because they'd seem like, from my perspective, it seems like this is almost has been like a crisis of confidence and, I'm not sure that last night completely erases everything, but it is a start. And in some ways, playing the way they did, but not getting the full two points, I think shows just how committed they need to be every shift, every period going forth, because essentially the playoffs
6: are on right now in the West and right now in the Central Division for the Jets. And nothing is promised to anybody. Good first half, who cares? You're in, you know, tied for that wild card spot. Um, you know, it's it's going to be that way. And you can play a really good game for 99% of it, or heck, you could even, if you wanted to give the credit to the Jets, despite giving up two, two goal leads, and say they play close to the way that they want to. Well, sometimes you don't win, even when you're doing that. And that's the situation that Winnipeg is in. They have to stay playing exactly that way and better if they're gonna turn that into a win. Um, I don't really fault them for a whole lot of the, their their misery last night. There are some plays I like, some plays I didn't like, but it was a huge step forward where I would actually look at that. You know, they said after the Islanders game, hey, there's some things we liked, and, you know, maybe to their expert eyes there were things to like. For me, it took last night to actually kind of get on board with that and say, well, there are pieces of Winnipeg's game that could be successful, they just need more of that.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I was in the building on Friday and Sunday. and There wasn't a lot to like. I think we can all agree on that. And Bones himself said, you know, coming back into the practice on Monday, um, that, you know, he didn't want to say something that, you know, we was hot right there. And, you know, there was, a, there was a lot going on around the hockey club. But it has been an interesting departure from, you know, the bonus that we heard for the first 45 to 50 games. And I think, Murad, I'm interested in your perspective on this. It really does seem to me that – the way Bones has changed his tone and maybe tackled the problems of the club, at least publicly a little bit differently, I think also speaks to just where the headspace of this team has been over the course of this
6: slump. I mean, I have time for that. And, you know, in your last question, Hus, you referenced confidence and when things are going poorly for the Jets, man, does it look like they're not a confident team? And, You could see moments over the weekend where guys who usually make plays like automatic would look up, seem to scan the ice. They didn't see what they wanted. Their feet stopped moving. They pass into nowhere. Like there there are plays that the Winnipeg Jets make routinely for the first 40, 45 games of the season that, you know, over the weekend you didn't see. And for me, confidence probably has a lot to do with that. Now, of course, Friday, look at the, you know, the Bronx cheers, the, you know, the, the tension in, in the crowd as well, all of that sort of stuff. And I think when bonus came out on Friday uh, after the Colorado game and and he didn't rip the team, but certainly he was critical of it. I think that between that, the fan response, a general feeling amongst the, the group, like they can't go to that well every time. I don't think that they, um, I'm not going to say they didn't appreciate the coach's words because they certainly s- would have heard those things inside as well. But I don't think they would have appreciated hearing him like that every single day during this because they need a different look at a different set of problem solving to get out of it. And so I think Bonus was really conscientious about backing off the public critique because then he does that. All of the papers and myself write the negative article, all that sort of stuff. And the cloud builds and builds and builds. And I think that they just need to let some error out about that whole negativity.
1: Now, um in the uh, in the background, or well, maybe not even the background, right in front of our face, the uh, National Hockey League landscape is changing every ten minutes, it seems with another big deal. Two, three weeks ago, I think we all thought that this was going to be a very aggressive team that looked to add and give themselves the best chance to to really compete and make some noise in the playoffs. I'm not sure that that's entirely changed, Marat, but I have to ask you, what do you think the recent struggles of this club, how has that resonated within the general manager's office? And has that maybe changed the way they're looking at this deadline considering the way the team has played, which unfortunately is somewhat similar to other seasons' second-half swoons?
6: Yeah, I mean, ought to be a fly on the wall oh. in Chevy's office right now because the tension has to be building. I think, I think at the end of the day, the decisions are the same, but the emotions around them are going to be so complex and so heavy because – the biggest the biggest thing that you look at if you're looking at roster building for the Winnipeg Jets is 2024 and all of the misery that could theoretically come with that we've talked it to death UFA eligibility for Shifley for Connor Hellebuck the guy that is probably why they're where they are for how many of the last several years Um, for Blake Wheeler as well Dylan DeMello Brendan Dillon I believe Uh, and then of course Pierre-Luc Dubois has the eligibility to join them if he's not traded or extended before then so there's a lot going on, which essentially, to me, makes this the last push. Because you if you get to next year and you have these pending unrestricted free agents, you're not going to walk them to free agency without doing something. I mean, the decisions have to happen now. And that's why Nino Niederreiter is valuable, because he helps this year and next year. I don't think you can go pure rental unless you really believe that you're going all in this season. So, okay, they play well for the first half of the season, and that makes sense to do. They've shown a willingness to spend to the cap many times, and despite what the reputation is, during the season, Kevin Dayoff has made trades every deadline. He's willing to add all of that. He's done that before, and then this, this crumble, this this thing that's going to give fans flashbacks to last year uh, at worst, or maybe 2019 at best, where they stumbled down the block and then they had to play against St. Louis, who was on fire, and all of a sudden a good season goes off or not. I mean, I still think at the end of the day, you look at 2024 and what's coming, and you say, well, we've got to add to the best of our ability. We have to use the cap space that we have. It's just a much more difficult proposition, and maybe there's a couple of your top prospects you're not willing to 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 give away But I still think they have to go for it or else what happens next? You know, I mean, I I, I will admit, and I've mentioned
1: this on the show, I wasn't sure that, you know, the recent play of the Winnipeg Jets might add a whole nother option for management going into the deadline that we wouldn't have even considered two or three weeks ago. And that was, you know, maybe taking advantage of the market right now to really make a, a move that's not just Adding to the core, but essentially significantly shaking up the core, potentially with one of those players that does have an expiry date at the end of their contract. And, um, I mean, the prices, I'm sure you've noticed that. I mean, there has been some massive, massive swings around the National Hockey League. And with all of those players gone, although many of the assets already traded as well, I mean, I did wonder aloud, if maybe Kevin Chevalier was thinking about taking a very different route coming into Friday. Um, I'm not sure whether they would ever admit to that, and I guess we'll find out what happens come Friday. But um, this was a situation that I didn't think we'd be talking about even a possibility two or three weeks ago.
6: Well, you know, I completely understand the theory, because if if you don't – I don't want to say don't believe in this team – but I think that's it. Maybe that's just the simplest way to say it. if you don't think that this is it for them, then maybe you consider a sell because you, you're right, Huss. The prices have been incredible for some players, not for everybody. A second for Niederreiter is a great bit of business if you're the Winnipeg Jets. Big but time. a lot of what the, you know, the Timo Meyer, that's a fair value there. Tanner uh, no I mean, imagine that. So many of the other players that you've seen moved. So if you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, Pierre-Luc Dubois is probably not going to sign here this summer, or not a long-term deal anyway. That's something we've got to sort out. Can you completely shift the foundation and use, well, hey, you know, at least Timo Meyer or kind of in the range of Timo Meyer as the baseline for a deal? I mean, you know, it's one of those things that you hear speculation about. And, um, you know, it's something that, like... I've asked people about. To be completely honest, I've you know I, I've asked people like, "Hey, this sounds a little bit silly, but could that be something that's on the table?" And of course, I, you know, I haven't been able to. You know, uh, I don't know yes or no on either way. But um, it's one of those things that becomes a conversation that you have. I don't anticipate it. I don't think that that's what's going to happen, but. If the, if the Jets know more than we do when they decide that a problem is kind of within the room or the call is coming within the house, so to speak, well, then it's on them to take care of business that way.
1: Well, I, I, listen, I mean, I think it is fun for us to talk about, but I don't think there's any way that those thoughts could not at least be considered by the team where they are right now. Because, I mean, while the first half of the season was great and it's been ugly lately, um, everything that Kevin Sheffield does this season also has the background of the impending changes that are inevitable here with this team and um as i said i, I mean i think i'm sort of with you i mean i don't think we'll see any earth-shattering moves but i got to tell you, the way the team has played, I think, has almost forced them to consider it. And, I mean, maybe in some ways it foreshadows more movement when we get to uh, get to the offseason. As far as the trades go, I've been wanting to ask you this for the last couple of days, and I've been looking forward to you for it to come on, because we've seen a ton of players go, and we can't go through all of them. But the Tanner's, you deal was fascinating in that you're getting Cal Foot, a first-round pick, a first, second, third, fourth, and fifth round selection i mean a huge draft capital given up by a team that let's face it knows what they are doing having won the east for the last three years what does that say about the game right now and how important those physical gritty players to what for lack of a better term are at playoffs That tampa was willing to give up that sort of a haul for tanner janeau
6: well yeah I, that's a great question i have a few different kind of philosophies on it. I don't know if that's the right word, but um, I, I tend to think that when an organization or a person has a lot of success solving problems in a particular way and things go spectacularly well for them, as the Tampa Bay Lightning can say, when they've added players in the past, you know, Nick Paul scores big goals, Blake Coleman, part of a cup, they add grit, all of those sorts of things. And they've had success doing that with this player type. I think that one, it shows that this was a need that they've identified year in, year out, that that this is something that adds them another element or adds another element to their game. And then two, they've seen it pay off. They've seen it pay them. And I think that I've seen lots of examples of that in hockey, like Paul Maurice, go back to Connor Shifley-Wheeler. They were the best when the team was the best. You go to what you've seen work, I think, and there's an emotional component to that. Um, But, you know, in that case, Stanley Cup emotion, I think yeah, there's a little bit of proof there as well. The other thing is, I look at some of these contending teams and, you know, I don't think Colorado has a second round draft pick for the next four years at this point or what have you. Tampa Bay is willing to give up draft capital. And if you look at a, a first round pick from the Tampa Bay Lightning, call that, I don't know, in their dreams, the 31st or 32nd pick in the draft. Um, and then the second, et cetera, all the, all the way through that. And you look at a draft Um, pick probability curve of how good those players are going to be. When you're drafting that far back, even a first round pick might not be worth as much as we think that it is. It may be that Tanner Jeannot is in fact worth that. It may be that to a Colorado, the second round picks are a currency that the trade market values more than give them an actual chance to get those qualities of players. There might be an analytical movement to that as well, in terms of the draft quality that goes along with these deals.
1: Well, it, I, listen, I mean, I think from a, from a, a the price being paid, it speaks to the way they feel about their team right now and those picks. But the other thing that just stands out to me, and I mean, I think we've seen things go somewhat in cycles in the National Hockey League, but the success of teams like the Lightning and the moves some of these other teams are making show that, yeah, you need to have skill, you need to be able to score goals, you need to be able to stop the puck, but come playoff time, if you're going to survive four rounds in the Stanley Cup playoffs... You need Tanner Janot's, and those players are a premium right now on the market.
6: Yeah, it may speak to that in terms of why he got so much that folks were scratching their heads. I'm not sure if the price is as horribly high as it looks offhand, but I agree with you there. And even, you know, I mentioned analytics a second ago. Um, There's no real proof that the, like, amount of goals or location of goals changes or penalty minutes change so much that, you know, that stuff that you typically hear in terms of like old school hockey Think, But there is, and I've seen a Dom Luz article about this, there is some correlation with size and success in the playoffs. If you want to go the nerdy angle of it, there is a little bit of, of correlation with size and success um, in terms of maintaining an individual player's production. So I mean, we've seen it with our eyes. It looks harder to get to the dirty areas. It looks harder to get to the slot decrease. The, the board battles get more intense. All of that. Does that translate to something? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, even the nerds agree there's at least a little bit of something there. And if Tanner Gino can do it for Tampa Bay, who thinks that they're ready to go um, through an incredibly deep east all over again, well, then, you know, power to them. And I think that, you know, speaking locally as well, Nino you know, Niederreiter is one of the few players. On his current team, the Winnipeg Jets, who does that kind of game as well. No, it is a great point. By the way, pushing 450 in the chat today. Great to see everyone
1: out. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that red subscribe button, folks. And if you would be so kind, to give a thumbs up as well. Helps us spread the channel. And if you just pop by uh, and are new around here, great to have you with us. We're live on Winnipeg Sports Talk every Monday to Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Central. Uh, and you can also pick up the audio podcast available just in time for your drive home in the afternoon. Search Winnipeg Sports Talk wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Um, Murat, has there been a trade that shocked you uh, more than others? I mean, has anything really stood out to you uh, other than just the amount of trades that have been made and how aggressive these teams in the East in particular have been?
6: I mean, the sheer volume of it, to be sure. The the way that it's all stacked to the Eastern Conference, where a conference that already looks like it's the superior one of the two right now, they're all seeming to be in an arms race of some kind. Um, I think Timo Meyer and the Devils made a lot of sense, to be honest. And you know, I reported on on Friday night, and you know, I I that I understood that Timo Meyer had told the Jets that you know he was unlikely to extend, and that pulled the Jets out of that conversation. Well, one of the interesting things for me was I think that Timo Meyer has told a few people that and the New Jersey Devils would have made their pitch and their acquisition without worrying about that. They didn't necessarily care about that, whereas Winnipeg did. Um, So I think that maybe some of what we're learning about the local team throughout the process as well, I think is particularly interesting. Um, That Jonathan Quick trade last night where it seems like Columbus is already trying to pivot and, and make another move. Maybe that's a trend that we should all be paying attention to is how much of this stuff is happening early. So people can wheel and deal with the assets that they've acquired in the days between their initial move and the deadline itself.
1: No, it is a great point. And I mean, I've been joking with Reem. I mean, the guy that's the most rattled about all this is James Duthie and the guys that are going to need to be tap dancing for eight hours on, uh, uh, on Friday as they do their extended trade deadline coverage uh, because so many of the players that have been on this list have already moved but I'm not sure that we won't see another flurry. I don't think it'll be as big names and as uh, maybe as impactful players. But it still seems that there's a lot of work being done. A number of teams have made multiple trades, and we're hearing that these GMs aren't finished yet.
6: Yeah, I mean, Rick Bonus made the same joke <laughs> essentially today. We were just talking to him that you know the the guys that are doing the TV hosting on Friday they they're, they hate this. Like, they'll be running out of Out of things to talk about, and um, I don't think that there will be nothing to talk about. That's for sure. But with enormous names off the board, Timo Meyer, Patrick Kane, you go down, right? Um, The the only obvious one, I suppose, would be Jacob Chikrin, who um, is is a huge name on defense with time on his contract. Yet that's that would be an exciting moment. And then, hey, maybe there's some surprises that we don't know about as well as these teams. Get creative and get desperate in an attempt to build things up before a deadline day and deadline hour. Chickens
1: retiring as a coyote. We've been talking about him for a year and a half. Being <laughs> traded, he's never getting <laughs> traded, folks. Let's uh, let's move on on that. Obviously, I'm tongue in cheek. We'll see what happens. Um. Hey, before we go, you mentioned talking to bonus. First of all, how was practice? What did it look like? What uh, What were you? What was the vibe you were feeling while uh, observing the uh, the squad back on the ice today?
6: Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, the The intensity was maybe not as much as yesterday and the day before kind of business. I think that, you know, it wasn't a day off by any stretch, but there was a lot of special teams work. There were some rushes. Rick Bonus said that his focus was just on different ways to get the puck moving and then getting it to the net. Um, Special teams, it was interesting. The power play didn't look particularly dangerous, even in practice form. Uh, rick bonus was asked about that he said well also guys we're not trying to shoot through the shin pads of our own players we're focused more on the puck movement but it was kind of interesting to watch as you know as the various units didn't light it up so to speak um but i think it was just them again trying to focus in on the get the puck to the net get the puck to the net message and hammer that home which has been the focus of the last few days and finally with you know, Shifley hacking and whacking on the doorstep. Morgan Barron doing the same thing. You know, Niederreiter. You know, cruising through the slot, boxing out, doing all that sort of stuff. You started to see that from the Jets, and they got paid for it. They scored because of it um, last night. So I think that continues to be the message from Rick Bonus. Uh,
1: what uh, What was the message after practice? Uh, how was uh, How was Bones feeling, and uh, what uh, What did you guys gather from uh, the head coach coming off uh, the shootout loss last night?
6: Yeah, I think that the you know they're taking positives they believe that there were positives there um there's some construction going on in a neighboring room so i can sincerely say i didn't hear every word that rick bonus said um but uh but yeah you know there was some discussion of the trade deadline where you know he just reiterated faith in his players and if somebody does come in then great but you know that that sort of that sort of talk as well um Mason Appleton is being evaluated today. So, further updates as to whether he's short term or long term or what have you, they're going to learn that soon. Uh, Pierre Luc Dubois, day to day. So, still possible for the weekend.
1: Yeah, well, and listen, I mean, uh, I, I think it speaks to whatever Dubois is dealing I mean, for him to miss a game of that magnitude last night, um, I'm not sure we can count on him getting back right away, but it sure would be nice to see him in a lineup when they will certainly need him going up against the Edmonton Oilers in those back-to-back games on Friday and Saturday. Uh looking forward to having your colleague James Myrtle on the program tomorrow. We'll be uh talking a little bit about uh, obviously his thoughts on the Jets and the rest of the league, but very busy week for you and the Athletic team going into uh, into Friday, huh?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, have fun with Myrtle and you know, so much so much has happened, so much is uh to be written about all the trades. But there's kind of one plug I I want to make. You know, I know folks want the rumors and the trades, but today I I put out a story about kind of a behind-the-scenes day in the life of Dylan DeMello, the day he got traded for Eric Carlson. And you'll remember that Brendan Dillon was also a shark at the time. Well, it turns out that they were good buds. And when Dylan Dylan DeMello needed some help on the day, Brendan Dillon was there for him. And the two of them talked to me both about just the complicated emotions that go into that. And if you like behind-the-scenes stories of you know, what happens to the dog, the furniture, how did you find a place to live, all that sort of stuff, that's up at The Athletic today, and, and I hope folks check that out. Cannot
1: wait to read it, Murat. Thanks so much. Uh, enjoy the next few days. Uh, never a dull moment around this hockey club, and uh, we'll catch up next week when the dust is settled on this trade deadline and the team hits the road.
6: Right on, Hus. Good
1: talking. Thanks so much. There is a Marat Atesh of The Athletic. Make sure you're subscribed and check out all of Marat's great work covering the Winnipeg Jets at The Athletic. All right, we are going to talk to the queen of Canadian curling, Carrie Anderson, coming up in just a second. We will cheers Carrie with Winnipeg's favorite local brew, the 1919 from Little Brown Jug. If you haven't already, pop down and check them out at William Avenue in the Exchange. Just an amazing place to meet friends for a couple of great beers, Winnipeg's finest. And, of course, you can pick up the new beers in the Good Times Variety Pack at your local Manitoba liquor marts or beer store, 1919 and more, wherever you sell great beer. and. uh, If you're looking, you can usually find 1919 on tap at most fine bars and restaurants here in the city of Winnipeg. And a big hat tip to our pal Nick and Nick and Nikki DQ for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Four locations in Winnipeg and southern Manitoba. The DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, DQ St. Anne's. Pop by, grab a flamethrower burger, maybe some chicken fingers, a blizzard too. Great take-home ice cream novelties and of course, if you've got a party coming up, how about an ice cream cake or maybe even a DQ Blizzard cake to uh, spice up the festivities? If you do want to order a custom cake, hit them up on Instagram, at DQ Manitoba. They'll make it for you as however you want, and it will be ready to pick up quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. All right, we will get to what's happening tonight in the National Hockey League in a minute on the Cool Bet lines before the top of the hour. But right now, let's welcome and fresh off her fourth consecutive Scotty's Championship, Carrie Anderson. Four in a row, Scotty's champ. Carrie, what's going on? Welcome back to Winnipeg Sports Talk.
7: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited.
1: (laughs) You know, I mean, I remember we spoke last year after your third straight. And it was a very different one just because of everything we'd been through the pandemic. But uh How does it feel? I mean, it's somewhat old hat, but I'm sure this never gets old.
7: Oh, it doesn't get old at all. Um, You're only on top for so long, so you got to take advantage while you can. So, (laughs) um, yeah, we're just super excited, and uh, we can't wait to head to uh, Sweden.
1: Well, let's go back to last week in Kamloops. I mean, you uh, came in as the three-time defending champs, but... Man, it was an incredible field. Um, some would say the best field that they've ever had. Um, you rolled through the round robin, took a loss early on in the playoffs, and then never lost again. I mean, uh, when you look back, I mean, what will you remember about the journey that your team took to the final and then obviously winning it?
7: Yeah, we did uh, the same thing last year. Uh, we don't like to go through this thing undefeated. <laughs> Um, it's definitely better to lose a game early, but we didn't think that we would go undefeated through this. It's a very, uh, uh, tough field and, uh, it was definitely, uh, one of the hardest that I've ever played in. So, um, yeah, I'm, uh, extremely excited that we could be in the record books for four in a row.
1: You know, um, obviously you guys did make history, and I mean, what a final. I mean, for Manitoba curling fans to have your team on the verge of history, Jen Jones and the incredible resume she has, I mean, you're not unfamiliar foes, but when it comes to curling in Canada and right here in the heart in Manitoba, this was was the final, I think, that a lot of people wanted to see, and man, it delivered on both sides.
7: Yeah, um, I heard the viewer... um... Viewers of this game were it was pretty high, so I think this is what a lot of people wanted to see as well. Uh, two Manit- Manitoba teams going at it in the Scotties final, and uh, yeah, it uh, it was a great uh, it was a great game, um, up until the ninth end, and uh, yeah, we um, we felt very, very much in control that whole entire game, um, and we were playing really well, so uh, and so were they. But uh, yeah, it was uh, the ninth end was the turning point. How um,
1: how how was this one different than the other three? Um, and certainly maybe speak to the fact that you guys are getting a little more used to playing in front of fans again.
7: Yeah, uh, this one's definitely different that we had uh, all of our family and friends there, uh, just like in Moose Jaw. So uh, it was pretty pretty special moment, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, um, one of the best ones, I would say. And you know, when you win your fourth in a row um, to be up in the records with Colleen Jones, this um, is just something I never ever thought that uh, myself and my team would accomplish. And uh, to do that is uh, it's pretty amazing.
1: Well, and you did it um, by beating Jen Jones, one of the greats of all time in the game. Um, you know, being a Manitoba rink. You've got an incredible history with Jen. And, you know, we were talking off air beforehand. I mean, it took some hard lessons for a long time to finally get over that hump. I mean, what's it like playing against Jen? And maybe give our listeners a little bit of a, a background into, you know, how many hard nights you guys had against her teams in the past. And obviously, I'm sure that makes it even more sweet to take it down in such a fashion in the biggest event of the year.
7: Yeah. Um, I've, uh, had a hard time beating Jen over the years. It took me like 20 times to finally beat her. So, uh, but she's, she's one of the legends of curling and, uh, um, watching her, um, win numerous times is something that I knew I wanted to do too. And to do that, I knew I had to work, um, hard and, um, she set the bar high for us Manitobans. Uh, if we wanted to beat her and get out of Manitoba, we had to uh, to work hard for it, and that's what myself and my team have done over the years. And um, that final kind of brought me back to 2018 when uh, her and Shannon beat us in the in the final. So uh, uh, I had to uh, think of. Payback. <laughs> <laughs> Except well,
1: for Shannon was on my team this time. <laughs> no, we no, don't. I mean, you mentioned Shannon. I mean, tell us a little bit about the the contributions of the, the other members of your team. I mean, obviously, sometimes we focus on the skip. But, I mean, you guys have such an incredible team. And going into this year with all of the shakeups around and the movement, your team was the one that stayed together. And uh, it seems like you guys have not missed a beat at any point this season.
7: Yeah, we, uh, my team is just absolutely unbelievable. Um, the work work ethic that we all put into the game at, on and off the ice and, um, Brianne being pregnant and just like, Oh, just being a machine out there. It's uh, pretty amazing to see. And Shannon is just a overall like shot maker. Um, her energy she brings, uh, her positive attitude. um, and Val is just, she knows the game so well. She's uh, re- and supports me in every single way that I need. And uh, she's an awesome shot maker too. So um, yeah, when this team formed, uh, I knew we'd be good. Um, and I knew that we uh, we all had the same goals and um, we just, yeah, just had to keep putting in that hard work
1: you had a team that, I mean, when you brought them, everybody together, I mean, everyone had skipped before. And I think there was a lot of people that wondered how this would work. What are the keys to the continued success of you guys as teammates and working together in the unit that has, well done it four times in a row now?
7: Well, the thing we, we, we aren't, we don't get complacent. We don't just say, oh, okay, well, or like we're winning, whatever, but we still like, we still work hard at it and we always want to be the best. and, we think of ways um, and different strategies and things like that, that we can implement and uh, uh, to make us even better. So um, we're always striving to be the best. And um, yeah. And I think that's what makes this team so special. And I know a lot of people didn't think that uh, four skips could come together, but you're seeing it a lot. Now you're seeing skips go to thirds and things like that. And I think we kind of started a, a trend.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, listen, uh, it's, we always talk about sports, pro sports, becoming uh, somewhat of a copycat league. And if you're going to copy someone, <laughs> copy Einerson team because of what you guys <laughs> no. have done so far. Hey, you mentioned Brianne. Um I mean, you're a mom. What must it be like to be playing at that stage of pregnancy? And uh, how impressive was her performance and what she did for your team, despite dealing with a lot of things off of uh, off the ice?
7: Well, I haven't played pregnant before, but uh, I'm sure it's very uncomfortable. Um, and Brienne was amazing. She never complained once. She just pushed through any type of difficulty she was having any. Cause she, we never heard a complaint from her. So um, she played outstanding all week. And I gave her my MVP award um, after the game because... I think she was the most valuable player on our team and she deserved that award.
1: Carrie Anderson's with us fresh off a fourth consecutive Scotty's championship. How was, uh, how was Sunday night in Kamloops? What'd you guys do to celebrate?
7: Uh, well, we had so much paperwork to do afterwards. And by the time we're done that, it was like almost 11 o'clock. So we went and met our family for a couple of drinks and, uh, some appies, but then we had to catch a flight at four o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't plan that very well. No, so no, uh, You, I you will... should be used to this by now, late flight the
1: next day on Monday.
7: I know, right? <laughs> what
1: uh, what paperwork do you have to do after winning?
7: Um, You got to fill out some stuff too, like for traveling and things like that. And um, some bio stuff. And so that takes up uh, quite a bit of your time.
1: you need to let reed do that doesn't know what the coach is there for (laughs) i I joke about this we had Reed on kind of checking in on you guys in the middle of the event um he's a great friend of the program a great curler in his own right but um how has he helped your team
7: oh he's been um a real asset to our team he brings so much like even with strategy and uh off ice just making us laugh and having a drink after the game keeping things light and uh uh, we love having him a part of this team, and when he calls a timeout, he's very to the point and put the broom down and just make the shot. So, uh, and I love having that.
1: No, Carrie, I, I remember in your um, interview with I believe TSN after you won, um, you would mentioned that you've never been to Sweden. Um, another run at the Worlds. I'm I'm sure that's exciting right now. That um, you know, now that you know you've done this, you've sort of been there before. What's the fo- what? Excuse me. What's the focus going into? Uh, the trip out to Sweden.
7: Yeah, we've haven't been to Sweden, so we're super excited to go there and uh have our family and friends friends in the stands and um we right now our focus is um we want we want to um bring gold back to Canada and that's uh, something we're striving for. So um I know we're going to have to um be really good when we're there because there's so many great teams. Um, we've been pretty consistent throughout our season this year. So um, we're just going to keep working hard and, uh, and hopefully we can put it together and bring gold back.
1: I mean, listen you know, since it's curling has been an Olympic sport, we've seen the game grow around the world, but um, how would you compare the competition at the world to the meat grinder that you just went through to uh, become Canadian champions again?
7: Well, the the competition at the Scotties is, is tough. It's not easy at all. So it definitely prepares you for worlds. Um and all the worlds teams, they're they're getting they're really good. Um as you we've known over the last few years that uh um last year it was kind of in our hands and we let it slip away. Um this year we, we don't want to do that again. So we're going to learn from that and uh be better and prepared for that.
1: Carrie Anderson with us. Uh, what was the uh, what was the welcome like when you got back on uh, home turf in Manitoba?
7: Oh, it was so nice. We had a bagpiper uh, piping us off. We haven't had that yet as because of COVID. <laughs> um, and we had uh, some of the media and our family were down at the bottom. So that was really nice to see.
1: Well, uh, I can tell you the entire province is uh, fired up. I mean, it couldn't have been more exciting for Manitoba curling fans to see you. And I mean, the other teams that were there as well of course finishing up with your your team going up against Jen's team and a new team as well with another I mean just maybe quickly on that new team and we know what Jen's done but man those young girls that are playing now with Jennifer I mean it really is an exciting time for Manitoba curling um and I can't imagine a better way to finish up to Scotties
5: Oh
7: for sure that team is uh they're great uh, great team and great shooters they're super young and it reminded me of 2018 when it was my first Scotties and uh, I was playing Jen and it was heartbreaking. Like I saw the girls crying afterwards, but uh, that was me uh, quite a few years ago. So I, I know what they were going through.
1: So Carrie, you and uh, the team are off to Sweden on the 12th of March. Um, what's up for the next couple of weeks for you before you uh, you head, uh, head out?
7: Yeah, I think my curling club's going to have something for me on Friday and uh, uh, just enjoy the moment. And then next week I'm going to get right back into it and start throwing and practicing and uh, reads at the Briar. So uh, we'll be just the three of us and then Val's in Edmonton. So, uh, um, yeah, we're leaving on the 12th and then we're going to train for a few days before the event starts.
1: Well, let's, uh, let's book another visit on a Winnipeg sports talk, talking about a gold medal at the world's in a few weeks. How, how does that sound?
7: Oh, that would be amazing.
1: Carrie, <laughs> K- thanks so much. Congratulations again. Uh, everyone's so fired up for you and can't wait to see what you and your team is able to do at the world championships.
7: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
1: All right. Four time defending champ, Carrie Anderson of, uh, Gimley joining us on WST. What a treat that was. And uh yeah, I think I'm already booking a return visit for Carrie coming back after the worlds, hopefully with a gold medal. What a performance and what an event that was. Of course, the Briar gets going this week. We'll touch on that in the Cool Bet lines in the next couple of days. And we will do have some picks tomorrow in the lock shop when Dusty and I fire it up. Speaking of the lock shop in Coolbet, Remo, let's get to the cool bet lines for tonight and uh pretty busy Wednesday night six games and a couple of really really interesting matchups uh we'll get a chance to see what the Oilers look like after the Ekholm deal taking on the Leafs tonight uh, the Leafs a slight home favorite at minus 116 Edmonton at minus 102 um heck of a night to uh, see these two Canadian teams go head to head considering the Oilers-Jets
2: matchups on uh, Friday and Saturday in Edmonton and Winnipeg, respectively. Oh, yeah. I Might have to tune in. That is a really good game. I'm curious how Edmonton will stack up against Toronto. Um, you know, Toronto with all... But they made, like, three trades within, like, 40 minutes. And <laughs> I saw, I think it was David Alter asked Kyle Dubas, like, so are you done? And he kind of just laughed. So there's more There's more coming. We're not sure from Toronto. So I'm curious what their new look. But now the take is, did Toronto trade too much of the roster? Do they change too much? So <laughs> I, I'm very curious in Edmonton. You know, they're good, but their bottom scoring isn't really there. But does that matter when you have uh, Connor McDavid on 150-point pace? So I'll tune in. And then, yeah, some other games, too, as well, Teddy. This Carolina-Vegas, that that's an interesting one later on. And Devils-Colorado, too, Um I know the Rangers are playing. I don't think Timo. I'm sorry. I don't think Kane is going to play for the Rangers tonight, but he should be in the lineup. I'm not sure tomorrow. that that
1: trade's even officially been done yet. Has oh, yeah. It? I mean, this has something to do with the salary cap. I think they're like, like 10k. Amount of time, so,
2: they're like 10k yeah. over or something. They gotta wait for another day to accrue. Uh, but, yeah, the
1: Rangers are in Philly. Rangers a minus two and 2-11 favorite against the Flyers. We mentioned that Leafs-Oilers game. A lot of Jet fans might hold their nose and be cheering for Toronto considering the Jets and Oilers are in a dead heat at 72 points through 61 games. Uh, we can all agree, go Coyotes go. The uh, Coyotes are in Dallas where the Dallas Stars have lost a couple games as of late that uh, you wouldn't expect them to do, blowing a 3 nothing lead at home against the Chicago Blackhawks. Maybe just maybe the Coyotes can pull a miracle. That being said, if you can get them and they win, plus 325 is a big underdog. Stars minus 410. And you mentioned this Devil's Abs game tonight, Remo. A straight up pick-em. them 108 on each side. I'm not betting against the Avalanche anytime soon right now. They are on our heater. Six wins in a row. And, of course, New Jersey doesn't have Timo Meyer yet.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. They are hot. Um uh... I'm assuming Lars Eller won't be available, but we'll wait and see. They did trade for him earlier today for a 2025 second-round pick, and and Colorado just went over Vegas the other day. Yeah, they're at home. I, I don't know. There's some altitude there I think that they get the advantage of. I don't think it's talked about enough, Hus. so uh, I would go with uh, Colorado there on the pick
1: Oh, the altitude factor. I like yeah. that. I like that. I think that. was. I think that's going to be my... Daily pick for the folks over at Cool Bet. We'll uh, fire that one out a little later on this afternoon. Um, Caps are in Anaheim to take on the Ducks. Washington, a minus 204 favorite. And you uh, mentioned this game, uh, another great one, 9 p.m. start. The Carolina Hurricanes, a minus-145 favorite in Vegas to take on the Golden Knights. Knights not home underdogs very often, but they are tonight. Vegas shut out in their last game against the Avalanche and uh, not getting any
2: easier with one of the beasts of the East coming into Sin City. Oh, and just, They had some nice videos from Carolina. Jesse Plyarvi, uh joining the team, so uh, that's their move. I'm curious if Carolina's going to do more. Um, I'm not sure what they... They would add that was a good add for them, but do they trade? I don't. Even, I don't even know what their first round pick situation is, but I feel like that's a team that should be trying to match what everyone else is doing in Carolina. So that's a pretty good match. And as far as Vegas, you know, they what tweeted out a video of their new hot acquisition Ivan Barbashev. But the other one, Kevin Weeks tweeting out, or no, so uh, well, he didn't say. David Pagnotta tweeted that Vegas might be interested in John Quick because they've had all these goalie injuries and. Kevin Weeks did tweet out that keep an eye on John quick or, um, you know, he could be on the move to a uh, buyer from Columbus.
1: Yeah. We'll touch on that in just a second. As uh, to see, if there's any, been any other trades happening during this, uh, the program. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, of course, if you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST on your first deposit for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks. When you sign up over at cool bet and uh, tomorrow, Big show in the lock shop. Today's lock shop made our golf picks for the Arnold Palmer Invitational tomorrow. Lots of hockey, and I will make my uh, Briar selections as well before things get going on Friday. Uh, now, Joey in chat has mentioned this a couple times. I'm going to mention this out the uh, the champions of the power toboggan racing in Bousesure, Manitoba this weekend. I'll be I'll be honest. I am not familiar. With power toboggans, Remo, but I have to admit, I'm uh, I'm somewhat intrigued. That, um, it was essentially like a sled on a toboggan, or uh, no? How exactly, I think, does I think that it's work? just
2: like a snowmobile. Isn't that what it is? That's what it looks like to me. It has the sick name, like power toboggan, and I thought I was gonna be like see, see, like some you know what I used to. I don't I guess it does kind of look like a GT racer. I don't know. I don't really know what it is, Hus, but. Well, out in Boseresure this week. If you want to check it out, the
1: uh, Sounds Canadian cool. Championships fourth and fifth out in uh, out in Boziger. power toboggan. Ah, listen, I think I could get into that. Maybe, we could, maybe they could Ooh. hook us up. We could do a Hus versus Remus power toboggan race at some point for some WST
2: content. Oh my god! I don't know if I'd be able to handle on those. Like, I would need some serious protection. This is. Just showing this video here looks legit. looks like a GT racer, but, like, major, like, major power behind that. Well, Remember the hey, Brett Hall Joey. poster, of course? Everyone used to have that.
1: <laughs> um, all right, listen, before we go, let's just quickly check out the uh, the ever-diminishing trade bait boards or trade targets, however you want to call it. Uh, the one guy that we've been talking about, well, people have been talking about for a long time is Jacob Chickering. He sits firmly at number one on the trade bait board. Uh, But man, it's slim pickings throughout the rest. I mean, Bertuzzi's there now. JVR from Philly. Um, You've got a couple first round picks from Columbus and St. Louis. And I am interested to see whether the Habs are able to get their price for Joel Edmondson. Um, we saw Luke Shen go for a third rounder. Is it in that neighborhood potentially? And who will be that guy? But uh, man, it's slim Pickens And there's a whole bunch of names on this list. I think they're just throwing on the list because
2: there's nobody left from the original list. Okay, here. I said, where, does Carolina have a first round pick? Uh, sorry, autoplay video getaway. Um, um, so Carolina's first round pick. There you go. They're number four on the list. We love, love non-player items. There it is, St. Louis's first-round pick. Which one? They have three of them And the ninth spot. Uh, any other? Is Arizona's cap space going to be on there at any point? <laughs> I don't see that on there. They've, it's been used up a lot. Uh, we did have Kulikov and Klingberg held out. Kulikov's in at number 20. And uh, Is Klingberg on there? I'm not sure. Um, some other notes. Uh, Max Domi comes in at 11. He's mentioned here a lot. Kevin Weeks said, you know, there's a lot of teams interested, but maybe he signs an extension because it's worked out so well for him in Chicago. And Chicago does actually need to field a roster. They can't just, like, put out nobody and lose games. Um, Dylan Larkin, well, I don't know if he was on before, but, yeah, he signed today, uh, was $69.6 million yeah, contract.
1: 8 a year, AAV.
2: Yeah, and so then the people in chat saying, well, that would be comparable for Dubois. And, like, I haven't looked closely but i would think would be somewhere around there and i said you know dubois you know for the first 40 games like he was like a 10 million dollar player but his last 20 has not been as good he is um you know he's been injured right now i don't know how much that affects things and we'll have to wait and see if he's even in the lineup for the next game so that was one um you know, as far as goalies yeah cam talbot in, in ottawa is the highest goalie
1: Well, maybe Quick should be on that list now. They need to update it because then there have been a number of reports, you just mentioned this, that the Kings or the Blue Jackets are going to try to do right by Jonathan Quick. Uh, But, man, with that salary, we know how tight many teams are when it comes to cap. Not sure whether they'll be able to pull that off. I'm just over at Daily Faceoff and checking out Frank's trade target lists. (laughs) And it's interesting, a guy I don't think is on the TSN list, but is number three on Frank's. And actually, I guess technically number two after Gavrikov was uh, was traded is Kevin Hayes of the Philadelphia Flyers. Three more seasons at 7.142. As much as he likes being a Flyer, I can imagine that Hayes might love the opportunity to go somewhere, play in the playoffs, and maybe get away from torts as well yeah. in the process. Uh, I know the, the, process.
2: J- the Jets like guys with term, uh, so let's bring him home, Kevin Hayes. I'll never forget Brandon. Bring him home, <laughs> Brandon Ruicky, on here saying a couple weeks ago, yeah, bring him home. And my immediate thought was the Jets, but he's actually talking about Boston. And I don't, I don't think, Bo- although maybe Boston would be a fit in the summer after what Bergeron retires and, and Krejci. I don't know why these guys are retiring. They're still so good. Like keep, keep going. But we'll wait and see what happens with Kevin Hayes.
1: Yeah, the other guy that we've heard some uh, mumblings around is Colton Pareko. Um, although we saw a report today that some of the interest, I think, is cooled a little bit. Certainly, you've got a bunch of teams that have already given up their assets. But I just can't help but think that teams are nervous about acquiring a player with seven more seasons on the books at $6.5 million. Over or under on uh, two and a half
2: trades tonight before we get to uh, tomorrow's show, Reem. Tonight, I thought you meant like from now until the podcast is uploaded around two thirty <laughs> uh yeah two and a half yes I'm taking the over for sure on that yeah, so I'll go that right. as far as cold doesn't pareco have a no trade or does like does it not yeah like why are we talking about him he has a no trade I don't understand all the talk about him because you think it starts on I don't know.
1: You know what? I mean, maybe... Uh, well, I mean, I think St. Louis is obviously doing a rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and there's interest, I guess, in Pareco. I just... I'm not sure how serious the interest is knowing what you're signing up for if you get him on the books for seven more seasons. I mean, there's one thing to be liking to get players with term. There's another thing when that term is seven more years. And I guess JT Miller's another player that, you know, the contract... I'm not sure whether... You know, it's a it's a terrible contract. Again, at the end of the deal, it might be somewhat problematic. Right now he could probably help teams and he's got the full no trade once they get once this deal actually kicks in the beginning of the year. So maybe that's a name that we'll be hearing over the course of the next couple days. Bottom line, tomorrow we'll be all over it. James Myrtle from the Athletic jumping on the program. And we'll also have Ken Weeb. Tee up deadline day for us and look ahead to uh, the home and home series with the Edmonton Oilers on the weekend. Uh, Thanks to everyone that joined us today. Another great turnout. Hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already and do us a favor and hit that thumbs up on your way out. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. And a big thanks to Dan Robertson, Murata Tesh, and the four-time Scotty's champion, Carrie Anerson, who joined us on today's show. Uh, and, of course, a big thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Folks, have a great one. We'll be back tomorrow, 22 hours from now, with Myrtle and Kenny Weeb. We'll see you then. Have a great night, and thanks for being with us on WST.
0: Oh, my God! Oh! Shit!